This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Have you ever felt like your jazz solos were meandering? Like they they weren't really going anywhere in particular? And maybe you listen back to them and you think, that's kind of a boring solo. Like I bored myself because it was just a stream of notes. There wasn't really anything that was particularly exciting about it. There wasn't anything that differentiated any sections from each other. Well, if you ever felt that way, then I have a really special guest on the show today, Jeff Schneider to talk all about how we can avoid meandering solos, some specific ways we can do that. Let's cue the music. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Really excited for you to be here because, like I said, our special guest... Jeff Schneider is going to be teaching us a lot of great things about music today. This is a really, really great episode, and I am just really excited to share it with you. So Jeff, he is a composer, he's a saxophonist, a pianist, and he is a YouTube. He has an awesome YouTube channel, so if you're not familiar with it, make sure you go check him out there, and also check him out at Jeff Schneider Music. Dot com And we talk about several different topics today, but the main one that we really focus on is meandering jazz solos, how to avoid them, how to make our jazz lines sound more like they make sense together, sound more like they're a conversation rather than just an endless stream of notes. So this is a great show. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast if you're not ready on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. we got a lot of great guests coming up. I know you're going to dig this. But without further ado, let's just jump right into this talk with Jeff Schneider. All right, we're welcoming back on the show my friend Jeff Schneider, who's a saxophonist. He's a composer. He's a piano player. He's one of my favorite jazz YouTubers out there. So Jeff, thanks for being back on, man. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So we had you back on in episode 65. I knew we had to have you back on again because that was an excellent episode, of course, expected nothing less. And so you're here to uh, just drop the value bombs again on the audience. So <laughs> really excited to to have you do that today. That sounded so violent. That's okay. It's a violent uh, activity. <laughs> I didn't mean it in a violent way, anyways. But let's just start for those of for those who don't know Jeff. And Jeff is like, a, oh man, he's like, in my opinion, one of one of the awesomest. Uh, you know, I guess in the jazz general music arena on YouTube. I mean, he's like one of the greatest guys out there. So, um, of, but outside of that, like, if you don't know him, you would probably want to know more about what Jeff's all about. So, Jeff, go ahead and let us know what you do, what you're all about. Yeah. So I. Uh I kind of put myself in the musician bucket. I play saxophone, piano, do a lot of composing. 
I was trained in the jazz tradition, but nowadays I'm making all kinds of music. I started composing for film and advertising about five, six years ago, so that kind of put me in different genres. But, you know, my heart is definitely in the jazz tradition and improvisation, um, and that's also what I like to teach. I do a lot of, uh, I teach a lot of people how to improvise, how to compose, and uh, it's, uh, it's what I love to do. Yeah, and, and YouTube is like where most of your content lives. Although, like you do have a, web, a website, jeffschneidermusic dot com, and you have a newsletter, all that great stuff. Um, but what kind of like like give an example of like some stuff that you would find going to Jeff Schneider's uh, YouTube channel? Yeah, so my YouTube channel has evolved a little bit over the past few years, but um, there's certainly a lot of content there teaching people how to improvise and. Uh, there's a lot of music theory on there, how to analyze music and use that analysis to help you with your improvising and composing. Uh, I do a lot of harmonic uh, analysis, so uh, analyzing chord progressions and creating chord progressions. As you mentioned, I also play piano, so I do some piano tutorials. So it's uh, it's sort of that uh, advanced harmony, those chords that, that I like to call the, the stinky uh, sick chords. Yeah. Uh, the stanky lubes and the sick chords. Just to be clear. You have the best name for your products, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's sort of it's it's just those those chords and those lines that kind of make everybody go woo. And right. that's uh, that's yeah. what I that's what I love to to get after and and help people you know get get their audiences to make those 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 same sounds. I love that so much. Uh, that's awesome. So you, like, you're a professional musician. You uh, are a YouTuber. But how did you like? I always ask this question, and even if we talk about this, how uh, wow, a lot of episodes ago, it's like over over a year ago we had you on the show. Yeah, but, you know, regardless if anybody knows this already, like what what got you started in ja- like jazz or interested in jazz in general? Well, I I started in music just messing around on the piano trying to play songs by ear. Um, and back then I was just working with very simple triads, like one chords, four chords, five chords, and basically trying to play any song that I heard, uh, usually like a movie theme or something like that, and figure it out on the piano. And then eventually I was like, there are some other sounds out there that I don't know how to play. And as soon as I learned how to play like a major seventh chord, um, you know, my mind just was blown and then from there, I, I just kept trying to figure out, okay, I can add this note to that chord and I can add that that chord to this progression and suddenly it's getting more and more colorful. Uh, and that's uh, that's kind of how I developed into loving jazz because, of course, there's so many harmonic and melodic and rhythmic uh, colors in, in jazz and, and um, that music just really resonated with me. And, you know, here, here we are today. I'm, uh, I guess you could call me a professional jazz musician. You are a professional jazz musician, Jeff. Don't you ever doubt that for one second. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's interesting. Like I, it's always interesting how people got interested in, in jazz. And I feel with musicians, it's like always similar to your story. Like, oh, you know, here's these chords, here's this harmony, and jazz just obviously has a lot of colors to it. Just so it's that natural curiosity with all of that stuff. And I always do preach to people that you know, aren't necessarily wanting to become jazz musicians or that maybe love other styles of of music, but that if you spend a little time in jazz, like you can definitely learn a ton about music in general from studying jazz repertoire and jazz harmony and stuff like that. Would you say that's true? Oh yeah. And even in jazz, it's like, 
I use that term so loosely because even within that genre of jazz, there's so many different right. uh, pockets of of styles. And, uh, you know, even like Charlie Parker didn't like to use the word jazz because it, it you know, put him in a box. Whoa. So, yeah, but absolutely. Didn't know that. Jazz, Oh yeah, it's it's a great. I think he. I can't remember the exact story, but it's worth looking into. It's uh, um, how he how he did not like that term very much. Um, but you know, certainly jazz has popped up in in modern music on the, that we hear on the radio today. Um, you know, certainly in R and B music. So it's it's uh, integrated into so many other styles, and and that's why I love it because it's really you know I was talking before about composing in different in different genres. The reason I'm able to do that is because I have that jazz background, and because yeah. you can apply those skills to so many different genres. Whereas if I were just like a strictly classical musician, then I don't think I would have that same tool, that same bag of tools to uh, use in in these other genres that I'm asked to uh, work in. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, I know for a fact that you just, because um, we were hanging out the other week, that you were telling me that you finished up this documentary that you've been working on, composing for a documentary. Like, so it's like skills like that that have even opened up doors for you to to have that kind of a career too, you know? Um, which yeah, is you know, John, John, John Williams is actually a jazz pianist. He's a jazz really? pianist. Really? Yeah, that's his background. Jazz I would pianist. have thought that he was like, had a classical background for some reason. Well, I'm sure is he it, did too. But. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of film composers are, you know, closet jazz musicians closet jazz musicians that's kind of how they you know got started at least right that's so interesting awesome all right so jeff uh listen i got uh, a a listener well not really a listener it was someone in our facebook group um asked a question i'm wondering if you could help me answer it today i'd be happy to at least i'd be happy to try (laughs) all right awesome so the question was how do i play a jazz solo that doesn't sound the same the whole time, just a bunch of notes from beginning to end. Like, how do you develop the jazz solo? Yeah, that's a that's a big question. Um, but I think the word in there that's kind of interesting that was used was, you know, if it sounds the same the whole time, um, I think that, well, first of all, that's kind of objective or subjective, rather, mm-hmm. where, you know, um, as is the word good, like what's a good jazz solo to you? What's, what's good to somebody else? Um, but what I'm thinking when I hear that is, if something sounds the same the whole time, it's kind of like the listener is tuning out. Like there's nothing for them to latch on to. There's nothing for them to be interested in. Right. And I think the main reason for that is because you get this sort of meandering quality to your improvisation where it's just kind of like noodling. You know, I could compare it to like run on sentences that don't really yeah. have anything to do with one another. The language analogy is so helpful in this in this regard um, because if you if you talk to somebody you know, there's like some crazy person on the street and they're just mumbling to themselves. Uh, you know, you hear words, you hear um, sentences sometimes. But uh, both from you know, New York City. That's how that's yeah. why you use that. That's why you use that. <laughs> that exactly. Example. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here in New York City, you get a lot of people who are just kind of talking to themselves and not making a whole lot of sense. And the reason for that is because the ideas aren't connected in any way. There's they're not, they're not building on anything. It's just like I said, it's sort of this meandering quality to what they're saying. And it's really easy to, to to do that with improvising because we learn all of these different techniques and licks and, um, you know, harmonic strategies and tricks that sometimes we get way too complicated. And the real solution is just to simplify. Um, 
I, I think that that's at least a start to to answering that question. How does that sound so far? Yeah, so far it sounds great. And I, I think when I when I was reading the question, like what I was reading into it is along the lines of what you're saying, and and also something that I can. Like I, I, I can relate to you. Like I can remember, especially having trouble with that is you start to improvise and immediately out of the gate, it's just like, all right, I got to start playing ideas and I got to keep the ideas flowing. And, you know, you know, there's really no arc or storyline or there, there's nothing to the solo other than it's just I'm playing a bunch of stuff. Right. Like, I think that's what I was getting out of it. And I think I think really what this person was asking is how to not sound like a crazy person walking around new york city so yeah. i think you're on track <laughs> well there you know the word story is is something that at least in uh, uh in my jazz education experience when i was coming up i heard a lot of people talk about yeah you got to tell a story with your solo and that's kind of some esoteric language there and i i kind of know what what that means and um but at the time when i was hearing teachers talk about creating a story i wasn't always sure exactly how to do that so what, I, what I've been telling a lot of my students lately is to really focus on repeating yourself to create some momentum and to develop ideas. You know, sometimes this is referred to as motivic development, but I like to just use the word repetition because it's sort of a very simple way of understanding uh, this approach. And, you know, if you take a look at melodies, that's a great way to, you can learn so much from good melodies about how to develop an idea and how to repeat yourself musically. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of melodies that literally, literally are just repetition. Um, C jam blues, you know, yeah. and that happens again and again and again, or, um, what's that tune called? Sunny moon for two. Um, how does it go? So you get that line over and over and over again. Yeah, it's literally the same exact thing again and again, and there's no reason why you can't do the same thing in a solo. So if you're if you're playing over a blues or something, and this is a great you know, the blues is a great way to get started with getting comfortable repeating yourself because you could you know take the blues scale if you wanted and and just play the same line again and again, and then you start to develop an idea and it's not so random anymore. So it's kind of counterintuitive the answer here because the question was. How do you keep from everything, you know, just sounding the same? And, and, and what I'm saying is, well, you actually have to play the same. You have to repeat yourself. So yeah. the best way to get started with this, I think, is to play something and then play it again. Because once you start doing that, you're, you're developing a pattern. And people love patterns. That's how we remember things. That's how we understand things. If you don't have any pattern for people to latch on to, then they're going to tune out, right? There needs to be some level of expectation there. And without the pattern, you don't have any expectation. Absolutely. I, I actually think that, and in, in, I guess another term that sometimes we use for what you're saying is motivic development. Um, that, pa- But I think you said it way better than just using some term. Like it's, it's about creating the expectation that you know, you've heard something and something more is going to happen with it. Not just, here's an idea, let's move on to another idea, and then another idea, and then another idea, right? And they may not even have anything to do with each other. Um, so, yeah, and you know, a lot of music, I'm thinking about Miles Davis is someone who really does that a lot. It's just simply taking one idea and riffing off of it and moving forward with it, you know, creating this arc to it. Um, it was an episode, 
145, where we walk through how to listen to a jazz recording. And I think we were listening to um, Someday My Prince Will Come off the, the we were listening to just a few solos off of it. And Hank Mobley does the same thing on that solo. He really like takes some lines and phrases and just keeps working them over and over and over again and adding to them, sometimes subtracting from them. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm loving this. I mean, this is... Yeah. So how, how do we... All right, so like we know the what, right? So like obviously... Like we can start, you know, repeating ourselves. How, but what does that, what does that look like? Like, how do we do that? You know, what's how do we apply that? Yeah, the first, the first and easiest way is to, like I said, just repeat yourself exactly whatever you played previously. Just play it again. Um, and again, this works really well with the blues. So if you played like uh, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Although that's super simple, it's a great way to start a solo because you're, again, developing that pattern and it gives the listener t- something to latch on to. Um, and once you're, once you're comfortable with that, where you're repeating the same exact thing, then you can start to drill down a little bit and look for individual elements of a line that you could repeat. Um, so... For instance, there's the rhythm. You could repeat the rhythm. There's the the shape of the line. You could repeat the shape of the line. You could repeat the exact pitches and change the rhythm or change the shape. Uh, So, for example, we'll go back to that line I played. Let's do the same thing, but now we'll change the pitches. So the the rhythm will be the same, but we'll do... um, Yes. Now we have a phrase A and a phrase B, and they're sort of communicating with one another. The reason that they're able to have that sort of conversational quality is because they share something and there's there's such subtle variation that um, you still have that essence of repetition there. I'll play it one more time. So we yeah, can- yeah, definitely. What happens when you take that exact same phrase you just played and apply it over the four chord now? That's a great question. So when I teach people, I, I teach a couple of different methods for um, bringing your ideas into other, onto other chords. Uh, now, this particular line, I don't actually have to change any of the notes. I could play the same, the same exact lick, and it's, it's still going to work on the four chord. So I'll play it with the chords underneath. So here's with the one chord. Now, if I played it with the four chord, it would sound like this. I'll play it up here. Um. so it sounds good on the four chord too but what you can also do is you can change the notes to fit the four chord in the same way that they fit the one chord so originally i played one 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 three one three four three one that's on the uh the one chord now if i do that same formula we'll call it i'll play it on the four chord now so that's some like direct transposition there um so there's different ways of moving an idea from one chord to the next let's do one more example that's gonna give us a a little bit more of a challenge as we go to the four chord so let's say i have um this line uh let's do this here it is again Now, if I play the four chord underneath that, it's going to sound like this. Right, got some dissonance there. It's not sounding so good. And the reason for that is because 
we didn't adjust the notes to fit the new chord. Um, I'm playing on a B flat seven here at the beginning for my one chord. That's a D. And then when I go to the four chord, E flat seven, D is not going to fit over that chord so well because an E flat seven, of course, has a D flat in it. So what you can do is just make the, the, the subtle change to turn that D into a D flat. And now we have this line that's going to sit very well over the E flat seven chord. Right. So adjusting the line to the quality of the chord, which is obviously yeah. why, I mean, the fundamentals of just understanding, you know, what makes a, uh, what makes a different quality of a chord, a different quality of a chord. Because like, I mean, you could do, for example, like you could play, like, let's just say it wasn't a blues and you were just playing a major seventh chord. And then you turn that, like, let's just say it was a major four chord and then you turn it into a minor four chord. You can take the same line and just adjust it to reflect that now it's a minor idea. Um mm-hmm. So all yeah, yeah. So if you had um, that's over E flat seven. If we did E flat minor seven, ah, love it. Now, it's just a subtle change. Obviously, it fits the harmony, but there's so much similarity from what we played previously that we're playing ideas that are connected. And I think the biggest problem that people get into is that they make changes that are not subtle enough. So they feel like, oh, I just played that. People aren't going to want to hear that again. Or this sounds too similar to what I played previously. People aren't going to want to hear that again. But that's exactly the wrong thing to be thinking about. You want to make those variations subtle. I like to compare it to that old game um, Telephone. If you remember when you know you whisper something into somebody's ear and then they whisper some, the same thing into yeah. the next person's ear. And you get this gradual evolution of a line. And, and the changes are super, super subtle. But over time, it does evolve. Um, so the, the biggest piece of advice I can give in this, in this, uh, subject is to repeat yourself, but make variations every, every so often, but do it, do so subtly. Don't change anything too drastically or else you'll lose that original idea and then you'll lose that pattern and you'll lose the listener. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything you just said right there was like, you know, I don't mean to sound redundant, but that was like gold right there for just like exactly what makes a good solo and i keep going back to what you first originally said which was establishing that pattern that expectation for the listener i mean that's really when you the best like even pop songs if we think about like some of the top 40s like pop songs that exist the ones that you know you hear and maybe you even claim you don't like them but you still sing them in your head the reason that they're so it's because they're catchy because they're setting up these patterns of expectation and so that doesn't you know you can do the same thing in your jazz solos too um so let's really really quickly let's like we talked about basically several techniques here to use again we'll use the term motivic development just for the sake of understanding the concept so you first talked about just taking an idea and then the next time around just making a slight variation on it slightly right you started with that blues lick do you remember that blues lick you start you first played um something like no i don't remember it it was something like that though yeah let's go with that and then you added this extra ornament at the end of the second time you played it, you know? Yeah. And just that little extra note that you played at the end, it just like immediately, like my ears like lit up and I was like, whoa, Jeff Schneider is like the most genius, you know, jazz improviser in the world. And all you did was you added another note, right? But but I I think we got to dig into that a little bit because it's not just that I added the note. 
What happened with that second phrase is that I started the line the same way, which is the repetition part. That's building the pattern and building the expectation. Now, that re the reason that last note sounds so great and the reason why you said your ears lit up, which is ex the exact way that I describe the, uh, that experience, is that we've broken the pattern once we go to that higher oh. note. You broke we, the pattern. Go, we, we broke the pattern. We go against the expectation. And that is the experience where people's ears light up. So when I start the second phrase like this, up until then, it's the same thing. But then when I go to that higher note, that's the change. That's the, that's the, the note that breaks the pattern. That's what defies the expectation. That's what catches people's attention. Now, the, the, the real nugget here is that we can't break an expectation unless we have one in the first place. And the only way you're going to have an expectation is if you create that pattern. So you need to repeat yourself at first in order to set up an expectation if you are ever going to want to get that light up experience with somebody's ears um, and, and break that pattern. Dude, this is like jazz psychology right here, man. You are, you're, you're laying down. I didn't know you had a degree in jazz psychology. This is awesome. Um, well, I I, uh, I I talk and think about it a lot, so I have I at least have some ideas. Yeah, it's almost like you like you know sense. teach music for a living something, or something. like that. Yeah, <laughs> dude, awesome. So yeah, wow. That and so yeah, the way you put that is perfect. So you have that right there. So let's let's categorize that as you have your idea and you set up a pattern and then you break the expectation, right? Like not complete. Like I mean, you start setting it up like it's like oh we're getting up, but then you add that little thing at the end. It's like oh. Well, you, that was not what I was expecting to happen, right? So it's the combination of adding that together. So then we also talked about just simply taking the same idea and applying it over a different chord that's coming up in a chord progression, right? So for just sake of organizing our thoughts here, that would like, let's say that's number two, right? So you can, you know, transpose that exact same idea. And then yeah. we, yeah. Uh, then we talked about, uh, yeah, go for it, go for it. <laughs> I was just going to say there's, and, and there's sort of two ways you that, that you can do that. One where you, directly transpose something um you know let's say you have one two three four five on one chord then you can do one two three four five on the next chord um and and then there's also that more uh i i think it's kind of like voice leading almost where you change the notes in the line only the notes that need to be changed to fit the new chord so uh that's another way of continuing the right. idea so i guess that's, that's yeah that was the one i was going to go to for number three yeah, like yeah. your category like, so it's like you got the number one is like the you know you you set up a pattern you break the expectation a little bit number two is transposing that same idea to another chord and this the same note does that make sense right so like the same not the same notes but taking just transposing the entire idea and then the third variation on that is not changing, only changing the notes in the original idea to fit the new chord. Like, uh, you know, if we're changing from a major seventh chord or a dominant seventh chord to a minor seventh chord, we got to add the flat three, right? Or um, if yep. it's a major seven to a minor seven, we got to change that that seven, right, to, uh, to to a flat seven, right? So whatever notes you need to change in it. So, man, that's awesome. So another thing that I mean, I think I would add to the question, the original question, which again was, how do I play a jazz solo that doesn't sound the same the whole time, just a bunch of notes from beginning to end? You know, so developing a jazz solo, essentially. Uh, another thing I would just say is like, don't, uh, people think about licks too much. And so like jazz educators, including myself, like to teach 
like licks and ideas. And the purpose of licks and stuff like that is not so that you play them verbatim. It's so that you can learn some language over top of an idea and start to understand how that works. And then hopefully after you've gotten these ideas, you can start to develop your own vocabulary. So, you know, so if, if I'm learning a new language, you know, my wife's Greek. So, you know, if I want to learn something in Greek, like I have to hear a new sentence that probably has a few new words in it. And I have to learn that sentence verbatim before I can actually start trying to make my own variation of that. Right. Um, so I think it goes the same with licks. And then a lot of like, I, f- I think especially beginners really struggle with this is they're, they're learning licks and all this stuff. And then you know, it's almost their turn for the solo. And then all of a sudden it's their turn to take a solo and they already have this lick planned in their head. And so they're trying to regurgitate licks and maybe there's a little bit of anxiety of like, I just need to get everything I know out there. You know, I mean, those are things that you also want to avoid along with what Jeff's saying. Yeah, for sure. There's that real common uh, situation where people find themselves uh, just playing everything they know in the first chorus and then they have nothing left to play after that. So what I like to recommend is don't, I mean, like you said, learning licks is valuable and you can learn a lot from them. Um, but when it comes time to improvise, I, I like to suggest people just come up with new melodies for the song. That's, that's a, a yes. nice way of conceptualizing it because then you're not thinking about, oh, what lick is going to work here? What lick is going to work there? You're more connected to the actual music and what you're hearing in your head. And again, when you are thinking about improvising a melody, then you're naturally going to be leaning more towards this sort of repetition approach that we've been talking about today. 100%. So I think it was, uh, let's see, episode 142 had one of my uh, 30 Steps to Better Jazz playing uh, students for a coaching call that we did. And uh, he was struggling with this idea of, you know, playing by the quote unquote rules, like playing the guide tones, playing the chord tones, playing the licks over top of these chord progressions. And we did this cool exercise. I think everybody could check this out, you know, after you're listening to this one, if you'd like, uh, where we simply just create um, melodies. We just practice taking a chord progression and saying, all right, this just four notes per chord and just find as many variations as you can to connect those chords together. And, you know, so this is the anti-lick playing. This is like the composing method. So slowing things down, you know, the practice room being like the laboratory, right? We can slow things down, we can splice it up and just taking a step back for a second and trying to compose. And that's exactly what you're talking about right now. Yeah, and the way I think about improvisation is just spontaneous composition. Um, I don't really like to distinguish between those two. It's, It's, you're just writing music on the spot. And if you start to think about improvising as this thing that's separate from composing, separate from making real music, then you run into that meandering quality where you're just kind of noodling around. And I think, you know, people have a natural, you know, music lovers have a natural sense of what makes a good melody. Like, uh, like you were talking about pop songs earlier, you know, a lot of these singer songwriters might not know that much about music theory, Maybe they only know how to play four chords on the, a guitar, but their melodies naturally follow these sort of patterns that we've been talking about, and they're not even thinking about it. And my point is that we have this ability to create melodies, but we learn so many techniques. We learn so much about music theory and in, improvising this way and that way that we forget we have that ability to just play melodies and make them up and use our ears. Like That's where it's at. And and. Once you once you feel comfortable in that space, then you can start to expand and and 
and experiment with some some different things. But you know, in terms of priority, you got to have that melody established, whether it's improvised or not. Um, and I'll also say that when it comes to you know, you were talking about Miles Davis before and, and listening to music and hearing how other improvisers are doing this. I can't recommend that enough. Listen to other people improvising, listen to other melodies and how other melodies develop their ideas and how improvisers develop their ideas. And you'll find that some improvisers do it really blatantly, like maybe a, a Miles Davis or a Hank Mobley. You'll really be able to hear a cle how, how clearly they are developing, repeating their ideas. But there are going to be some improvisers who it's not so clear and it's almost like it's a little bit disguised. That doesn't mean they're doing it. It just means it's a little bit more buried in their playing. But here's the here's the the kicker. Those great improvisers that you don't hear it so well, um, I guarantee that they're able. If they wanted to, they could throw down and have a solo that is really well developed. So they're choosing maybe not to make it so obvious how they're developing their idea. It's a little bit more disguised. But if they if they wanted to, they could. Um, you know, I'm thinking about like more modern jazz improvisers who you know like, like a Mark Turner or somebody who's mm -hmm. playing really complex angular lines, intervallic lines that uh, you're not always going to hear like, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but, you know, Mark Turner can definitely develop an idea like that if you wanted to. My point being, if you want, if you don't want your solos to sound so predictable, if, if that's sort of the negative spin on it that you're, you're coming away with here, that's fine. But you need to be able to do it and then intentionally not do it rather than your default being that you just kind of end up meandering around and, and you don't have any other way of doing it. I don't think that's not a good place to be in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everything gold there. And by the way, that lick that Jeff keeps playing, uh, he copyrighted that that's proprietary. So <laughs> if uh, don't, don't play that in any clubs, like ASCAP's going to come in, you know, get you. So watch out, watch out, <laughs> watch out. So yeah, me and Jeff, we get together sometimes. We both live in New York, hang out a little bit, talk about, you know, what we do with our, uh, our online education stuff. And you were telling me, uh, the other week, day, whatever it was, that you're creating some cool courses for your folks over there at Jeff Schneider Music. Um, interested to hear what's going on in that realm. Ah, yes. So I um, I recently reached out to my audience, just trying to get uh, a read on what people are really looking to learn more about, because I have yeah. lots of ideas, but of course I want to be focusing on what people are most interested in. Um, and it, it 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 seems like people really want to learn more about making the changes, um, how to play over chord changes, which is something, yeah. as I said, I've talked a lot about. And so I've already started developing this new course called Making the Changes, and it's going to be all about playing through chord changes, how to improvise over simple chord progressions, complex chord progressions, and how to do so musically. So you're not just sort of like rambling through like we've been sort of talking about today on how to get away from that. So in that course, I'm going to be getting into more detail about a lot of the stuff I've talked about today. Um, and I think it's going to be a super valuable resource for people who just want their solos to, you know, kind of go beyond just uh, um, that sort of musical gibberish that we're trying to avoid here and, and really be able to have their lines uh, reflect the chord changes in, in a really musical way that, uh, of course, makes their audience go, woo. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I love that you are all about creating, you know, great, you know, free content, obviously, and courses and resources like 
just to better serve your audience because you know you and me both have a great privilege to have a bunch of like basically online music students you know we get to just share so i mean i think that's awesome that you're creating a course that you know specifically what you're what you're following wants what your audience wants so that's super cool and you know, obviously Jeff does not need my endorsement by any means, but if you're not logged in, locked into what Jeff is doing at his YouTube channel at what he's doing at jeffschneidermusic.com, I highly suggest that you do get involved because as you heard from today's episode, just, uh, I was about to say value bombs again. And then I was like, wait, let's avoid this <laughs> value nuggets, whatever. Right, anyways. Well, the, not, name, the name of my, uh, the name of my newsletter is called musical truth nuggets. So mu- musical truth. Yes, that's right. Which, which is an awesome newsletter. So how, how can people get signed up for that newsletter and also just find out about your course when it eventually comes out? Yeah. So the best way to do that is by going to my website, jeffschneidermusic.com. And on, on that uh, homepage, there is a little form to fill out with your email address and then you'll get the newsletter. And as you said, you'll get notified about when that, uh, making the changes course is coming out, which will be, uh, soon. Awesome. And we'll have, we'll have Jeff's website also linked up in the show notes today, learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 154. And uh, that way you can also link to it there, get, you know, get involved with what Jeff's doing. Jeff, man, I don't, I don't want to say, like, I had high expectations for this, this episode. Like, I really did. Like, I, I felt in my heart that this was going to be good. Well, I, I just wasn't expecting it to be this good. I mean, but, and I mean that in like a good way. So thanks for being on the show. That's good glad, to hear. <laughs> glad to have you. And we're definitely going to have you back on in the future. Looking forward. I'll, I'll always happy to be here, Brent. Thanks so much. Oh, yeah. Jeff Schneider, thanks for doing that, man. That was a great show. And that's all we have for today. Again, appreciate Jeff just for, you know, really laying it down today. Just really giving... Uh, a lot of his knowledge to all of you. I really appreciate him for doing that. I know that you got a lot out of the show today. Make sure you check out jeffschneidermusic.com to get connected with him and everything that he is doing. All right. Like I always say, hey, if you enjoyed the show today, make sure you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. It really helps other people know that it is a show worth listening to. And we're going to have a lot of more really great guests coming up on the show. I'm really excited about it. And you know, man, this year is really going to be a year that we're just we're just going to have so many great interviews. This is going to be a great year for the podcast. Not only do I know it because I planned this podcast, but I can I can just feel it. I can just totally feel it. You know, I you know, I'm going to be just getting on people that, you know, are just brilliant. So, I'm excited about that. So make sure you're subscribed, and hey, I'll look forward to seeing you back in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.